You're listening to Fanspurt Radio. Welcome one and all to Fanspurt Radio. I'm your host, Jake Anderson, the one and only fan who's willing to admit he's just a fan. And his expert opinion comes from mounds of couch time, continuous breakdowns of all sports, and no matter how accurate or inaccurate they may be, you're listening to Fanspurt Radio. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today. It is April 18th, and I am a week late. I want to apologize to all of you. I wanted to have a weekly episode going up, but last week... Things just kind of hit the fan. I I ended up getting sick. That doesn't help. And I also have been to three states in seven days traveling with my brothers. One brother being his birthday. We uh, ended up going to hit the Dodgers opening series in Colorado. We were there for their only two losses this entire season so far. Yes, it's only been 10 games, but we were there for both the only losses. So that was depressing as you might understand, but it was honestly a whole bunch of fun. They have a huge plaza in downtown Denver where you can go watch baseball, watch the Masters, and we got to do that, which I'll be speaking about today. And I was able to take a golf trip to Utah this last weekend, so that's possibly uh, somewhat of an uh, explanation or a bad excuse for why I haven't put out another episode. So thank you for being patient with me today. Wow, the feedback has been amazing for this podcast. I really didn't expect it and as um, some of you know a lot of you have reached out to me trying to see if you can get on here and I'm hoping to have guests I'm hoping to have live debates I'm hoping to have lots of fun things that fans can just go at each other for (laughs) that is the whole purpose of Fanspurt to let the fan experts speak and we're going to get that happening today. I am going to answer a few questions and just want to say thank you for your support. We had 50 downloads in the first two days. That was amazing. That was only on Spotify too. Speaking of, I have been able to upload my podcast to different platforms now on Apple Music, iTunes, uh, iTunes, <laughs> iTunes, Amazon Music, and of course, we're going to still be sticking with Spotify. There's a lot to go over today, so please be ready to enjoy some sports content and we're going to we're going to break down a few questions today. The first being which team had the best start to the season in baseball? Baseball's underway, full swing. We finally got to it. The lockout took forever, and it finally feels normal again. We've got baseball going. Playoff basketball started. The Masters happened. We'll do a quick recap of that today. And there's also lots to talk about with the NBA playoffs and where we're going with those. I have a breakdown coming today of my X factors for each team, who's going to win the finals. I have a biased lineup, and then I have a non-biased lineup. So... As you know, I'm a fan and I have to stick with my my guns uh, as much as I can. So we're going to be going over a few things today. Let's jump right in. Which team had the best start to the season in baseball? Right now, my three top power rankings for the first week hasn't really changed, honestly, from last week. It's still Dodgers number one. The Blue Jays, number two, and the White Sox, number three. Now, I'll tell you what. I was a little worried when we lost those two games. I was in Colorado looking at our pitching, and we got shelled. Julio Urias gets pulled within three innings. I haven't seen that happen since beginning of last year. 
He led the league in wins last year, and he comes out his first start. Okay, I get it. It's his first start. He comes out, goes three innings, gets six hits, and they ended up scoring three runs with a home run. So that was kind of awkward um, for them to start. But they're still my number one. Why? Because they're seven and two. They tie. They're tied for the best record in baseball right now with my surprise team, my sleeper team that, or one of my sleeper teams. That I really didn't expect to have this have this kind of same repeat season as last year, I guess, especially with losing a few guys. We'll talk about them in a minute. So number one, my Dodgers and their X factor has definitely been Gavin Lux. I hesitate to say that because there's so many people I could talk about on the Dodgers lineup, but with AJ Pollock going away, we now get to see our top prospect, Gavin Lux, actually get some playing time. He's going to become a, a role player in the future of the playoffs and I'm really interested to see where he goes. He's been a very consistent fielder, a very consistent hitter, and it's it's about time that we we get to see what he's made of. He was our top prospect for two years in Oklahoma City. We thought uh, the world of him. He came out, had a rough start his first year last year, and we didn't really know where he was going to go. He progressed in the postseason, had a lot of great at-bats against a lot of great pitchers. He's got a lot of experience, and of course, he's got some of the best hitters in the world coaching him right now. So Gavin Lux is definitely my X factor. He's the second best hitter on the Dodgers behind Austin Barnes, hitting a 345. He's doing really well, and you wouldn't think of it with Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, Justin Turner out there in the lineup. He's hitting better than all of them right now. So that's my X factor for the Dodgers. Let's move on. Number two, I've got the Blue Jays still. The Blue Jays are incredible. They're one of their key starters, Hyunjin Ryu, Ryu. Oh my gosh, I can't say that name. He definitely is one of their X factors, but he's hurt. And so who's going to carry the load while they're hurting? My X factor for the Blue Jays is Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa, his slider is nasty. Watching him against the A's last night or two nights ago, I couldn't believe how many swing and misses he got off of that slider. Every single batter goes back to the dugout saying he's going to throw that slider. He's going to throw that slider. The announcers even commented on it. They're like, look, they're going back to the dugout, definitely commenting on how nasty that slider is. Don't fall for it out of the zone. The next batter gets up, boom. Slider, finishing pitch. They could not stop it. So I couldn't believe that when I saw that slider. He was he was dealing. He had six Ks yesterday. I I think that he's gonna be a key to their rotation, holding that holding that lineup together while they wait for Ryu to get back. And of course Vladdy is is nuts. Their hitting is just fine. I think it's more of a question if their pitching can hold up. Okay, number three, my my third best team in the NFL and oh my goodness I can't speak MLB there we go is the Chicago White Sox the Chicago White Sox we know they can score runs it's back to their pitching again last year their pitching kind of failed them against the Astros in that series they they couldn't finish that out with pitching they're they're their hitting honestly got shut down too, but I don't think their hitting is going to be as much of an issue this year. I think it's more about the pitching and if they can, if they can get some support from their bullpen, but their sleeper, their X factor right now is Michael Kopech. He's a good addition to the rotation. He boosts that lineup a lot when it comes to pitching. And I think that that'll be good to have another fifth day starter. That's going to be consistent. He's going to throw strikeouts and he gets a lot of ground balls as well. So he'll, he'll be, 
phenomenal to get them out of innings. He'll be phenomenal to get them through games, especially in the lull of the season when it gets to 60 to 70 games, when it's kind of that mid-grain or even the dog days of August, which we'll have fun looking forward to. And yeah, those are my top three teams right now. The surprise losers who definitely took a lot of L's this week is, uh, sorry to my good old buddy, Nate Esplin. I call him Freddie Freeman because he looks exactly like Freddie Freeman, the man who was saddened by a loss of Freddie Freeman, as I'm sure all Atlanta Braves were, Atlanta Braves fans were. They, uh, not doing so hot. Five and six, more losses than wins. We'll see what happens. I don't know what to say other than didn't think they'd lose this many games to start off. Okay, and last but not least, what about the Mets? They lost Francisco Lindor. They they gained in so many ways when it comes to Max Scherzer. DeGrom gets hurt, so Scherzer has to hold the rotation, but it's doing just dandy. Those Mets aren't looking too bad at all, so we'll, we'll check on them throughout the season, but they're my sleeper pick through the season to see really if they can be consistent the consistency is key in baseball so we'll see if that happens and that other sleeper team that i talked about in the beginning is definitely the san francisco giants the nl west is one of the most competitive divisions in baseball that the giants the padres the dodgers we think the dodgers are going to pull away with it which Every sign indicates they should, but those San Francisco Giants surprised us last year, and they just kept on winning. They had the most amount of wins last year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they keep on winning this year. Logan Webb is unreal. He tortured our Dodgers in the postseason. I don't even want to talk about him, but I don't know why they didn't throw him to close out the series, even though he was on low rest. I think he's phenomenal. He's an amazing pitcher. He's got a nasty 1-2-3 pitch. I, I can't even... I don't even want to talk about him just because of how scared I was as a Dodger fan, knowing we were not going to get a base hit against him in the postseason. And so I think he's their X factor as well. Yeah, that baseball is back. There's not much else to talk about besides that. I, I'm really excited for baseball. We we know that there's so much going on, and I'm interested to see how the whole two Japanese players come through. We know Shohei is the star of baseball right now. Shohei Otani is incredible as a dual pitcher and hitter. He's the best player since Babe Ruth, no doubt, besides Mike Trout, who's also on his team. But we've got another one, another one brewing in Chicago who signed a six-year deal, I, I think. I can't remember. Let me quick look this up. I thought I might be able to find it really quickly but Chicago Cubs are five and four they're second in their division to Toronto but Seiya Suzuki is supposedly one of the rivals of Shohei and in Japan he had better numbers than Shohei Japan he he continued his contract last year in Japan even while Shohei started to pick up but he started to get a lot of talking to once he and ended his contract in Japan. And I can't remember all the details, but they signed him to a five or six year deal, which is really huge if they want to build around a new squad. And they're gonna be they're gonna be interesting. The Cubs have always been contenders the last 10 years, but this one this one is a good pickup for them. He's gonna carry their hitting lineup and he hits bombs. He knows how to put the ball on the bat. Oh, 
baseball's back. It makes me happy. Okay, next question. And this is, I'm not going to talk about this very long, but what should we expect from Scotty Scheffler going forward? What an amazing Masters performance he put together. My brother actually called it. He said, who do you think is going to win? I thought it was going to be Cameron Smith. And he goes, Cameron Smith chokes. I think it's Scotty Scheffler because he's been so hot. (laughs) What happened? Cam Smith absolutely choked. But at the same time, Scotty Scheffler took the dub. Absolutely, absolutely was amazing. Scotty Scheffler in 54 days, 57 days, had won four weekends, including his first, or is it his second major, first major? And it was it was awesome to watch Scotty blow those last two putts. <laughs> Just to see the nerves of that guy. I, it's still one of the hardest sports in the world. And I think that it's 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 as big as it's ever been. Golf is one of the hardest sports besides baseball. I, I don't know which one to put above. We can have a debate on that someday. I'm going to. But hitting a baseball is the hardest physical possible thing to do in sports. But golf is genuinely so hard to play well at and not only play well at but be consistent through four days of grinding with the other best players in the world so scotty wins four weeks this year so far as as well as the masters he's made so much money can you imagine how much his paychecks have been tiger had some amazing hype going in as soon as he started winning and he started winning right away but nobody won right away as scotty scheffler did and he's won big and he's won instantaneously and i guess if he keeps it the train rolling we could have a very special year of golf on our hands and a very special career what a future he has so i think scotty scheffler will win one major he'll win i think two or three more weekends but i'm hoping my boy tony finau can stop choking (laughs) i think that uh he has a real good shot of being one of the best golfers ever in fact he's he's been amazing but his wins man he just can't close the deal when it's time he can't putt when it's time so anyways we'll look forward to more weekends coming up um Let's get into the meat of it. I've I've been really excited to talk about this today. I've been really excited to break this down. I wanted to so badly last week. I was going to put together an episode with a few friends and we were going to go at this, but it just ended up falling through. And I'm going to break down the NBA finals and we're going to go through our bracket. We're going to pick our X factor for each team. We're going to go through our bias bracket and then we're going to go through probably the real deal bracket and uh, find out who's going to win the NBA finals this year. Game one is behind us. That Brooklyn Boston game. I watched it from halftime on. That was incredible. Absolutely incredible. How fast Brooklyn came back, how good Kyrie was. And then (laughs) KD just missed his man and Tatum got a wide open cut for a layup. So honestly, let's start with the East Conference. Um, starting with the Miami Atlanta series, we got the one eight seed. Uh, why was everyone so hyped about Atlanta last year? They yeah, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they're just not there yet. They need another piece. Their X factor is Clint Capella, and his year has gone down. He has not had the best year comparatively to other previous years. James Harden made him way better. As we look at it right now, their leading scorer right now is Trey Young, of course, but Danilo Gallinari 
is another scorer who needs to step up big, as well as guard Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler just could not be guarded yesterday. And neither could Duncan Robinson. And Duncan Robinson, what, had eight three-pointers? He only missed one shot all game, and he put up 27 in the first round. There, There's no doubt that Miami's going to win this series. But if Atlanta wants any chance, their defense is going to have to be way better. Their defensive breakdowns were absolutely awful to watch. Miami was passing the ball like crazy. They they couldn't be stopped on offense. And so Atlanta's got to figure out something defensively, whether they switch back to their zone that they tried in the third quarter that didn't work out, or they they just do better. <laughs> so they the the Heat had 35 assists that game. The Hawks had 16. Yikes. That's that's pretty bad when you double the team in assists. Nobody's going to win a game if they get doubled in assists. So I've got Miami winning this series. I've got them. Let me see. I've got them sweeping them in four games. I think that Atlanta could possibly take one at home, but Miami's going to absolutely wreck this team. Okay, back now to the Brooklyn-Boston matchup. One of the best matchups we're going to see, and sadly, one of these two teams isn't even going to make it out of the first round. That's crazy to me. Boston with the amazing comeback to become the number one team in the second half of the season, and Brooklyn finally healthy and ready to go, except for Ben Simmons. I don't think he's going to play, but Kyrie is so good at basketball. Brooklyn did all the things necessary to win that game. They came up with clutch shots. They had seven stops in a row on Brooklyn, or I mean on Boston's offensive side. Brooklyn stopped them seven times in a row, went on a 13-2 run, and they they looked like they couldn't be stopped. There's no way they were going to lose that game. Kyrie drops 39 points and just nails every clutch shot after every clutch shot. KD struggled so hard. KD, where you at, boy? We thought he, we didn't, who thought that he was going to come into halftime with what, seven points, three turnovers, and four fouls, three fouls? Come on, man. That was, that was crazy. And the X factor that I have for Brooklyn is still Kyrie. Kyrie is their best player. And Okay, never mind. Let's let's back it up here. That was stupid. Kyrie is not their best player. It's Kevin Durant, but Kyrie was their best player yesterday. That's what I was saying, and obviously that did not come out right. <laughs> so Kyrie was their best player on the floor yesterday. They fed the ball through his hands, and only when Boston figured out to double-team him did they win. And when did they figure it out? Literally on the last play of the game. Al Horford comes up to double-team Kyrie, and their size just overwhelms Brooklyn the whole game except for that 13-2 run. And... Kyrie gives it up to KD, who has to take a wild three-pointer where Jason Tatum played great defense. They got a rebound. They came back, and they hit the game winner. Credit to them. Boston for holding on just barely. But Boston out-rebounds Brooklyn by, I think, 14 yesterday. And it's crazy to me that the game was that close because Boston had a big grip on that game, most of the game. So who's my pick? I've... I've got, in my biased one, I've got Boston winning in seven games. I think the Nets will take both of theirs at home. I think the Brooklyn, Boston will take both of theirs at home. And it'll come down to to home court advantage, I think, will be the play. So I've got Boston winning in seven. The Boston X factor that we need to look at is Marcus Smart. 
this guy is so good. And once this year, there was kind of question on who was going to start at point guard, who was going to start, and who was going to be the pecking order of shots. So once they figured out that pecking order and Marcus Smart realized he was going to have the ball in his hands as he was the facilitating point guard, they instantly got better. Marcus Smart is averaging so many assists right now. I think he's averaging just under six assists, which is his career high, 5.8. And Jason Tatum picked up after that. Marcus Smart starts the possession off of passing and smart passing, quick passing, and gets the ball rolling. Jason Tatum had eight assists yesterday and just made right pass after right pass after right pass. Still scored his 31, still got his buckets, still had his ISO plays, and hit the game winner. But his passing is next level right now. If Jason Tatum can do that all all of these games that they play, they're going to win in seven games, I think. But the X factor is Marcus Smart. He's his ability to read the floor and guard everybody on the floor except for Kyrie because Kyrie just can't be guarded right now is is awesome. And I think that all that needs to happen is Boston's probably going to send more double teams to try and attack Kyrie right off the front to get the ball out of his hands, which will then go to KD and we'll see if KD can step up because he's the big man that Brooklyn needs to shoot over everybody because Boston's bigger than Brooklyn. They Each of their players, 6'7", 6'8", 6'7", 6'10", Al Horford. I mean, these guys are very tall and very big and they can handle. That's why their defense has been so good because they can overwhelm and throw lots of bodies at people and their statistics, their stats go down. Their shots, their, their quality of shot goes down. Um, I'm super excited to see where this series goes. KD could take over instantly and we could see... We could see a Brooklyn flip. We we don't know. They're still one of the best teams in the NBA. Their record doesn't show it, but I'm super excited to see where this goes. All right, um, moving on to 3-6, Milwaukee, Chicago. Milwaukee's going to win that in five. Their X factor is Grayson Allen. That's all I have to say for them because I don't believe in Chicago. That's it. Okay, Philly and Toronto. Philly's going to win this. They're going to win in five games, especially if Scotty Barnes is hurt. Scotty Barnes has been one of the best pickups that they've had in recent years besides Kawhi Leonard. Why? Because Scotty Barnes is younger, and it's really sad that he got hurt because Scotty Barnes has a lot of potential to be one of their one of their go-to guys besides Siakam and Van Vliet, and he adds depth, especially that second unit that comes out and plays. Scotty Barnes can run that second unit and play, play his own ball. He's a good shooter, and he's going to be needed in future playoff runs for Toronto, but Philly is too good. And Philly's X factor here is Tobias Harris. Why Tobias Harris? If you think about the go-tos for Philly, Embiid, you know what you're going to get. Absolutely unreal MVP potential. Harden, you know what you're going to get. Former MVP, he's going to, excuse me, he's going to get to the free throw line a lot. And he's going to be consistent as much as I hate to say that James Harden's a baller and he gets a lot of calls that I hate and then he doesn't, he shouldn't get, but James Harden's going to play well. He's going to pass. He's going to facilitate Tyrese Maxey's having an amazing series already to start his Tyrese Maxey's one of their key players and defenders, but Tobias Harris needs to get going. If they're going to run this bridge lineup with Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, James Harden, and then uh, who's their backup center. I don't remember kind of awkward then i definitely should remember this but philly if we go to them they're definitely 
win, of course. Um, I can't remember, but either way, the bridge lineup where they're going to have Embiid resting his few minutes that he rests every game and or even Harden when one of those two guys is not on the floor. Someone else is a go-to guy that needs to step up. Right now, it's Tyrese Maxey, and Toronto's going to focus on him next next game. But if he gets those double teams, he's going to pass out. And who's going to be the next scoring option? It's Tobias Harris. And Tobias Harris has proven that he can play well in clutch time and he can he can get his buckets, but he's been very inconsistent in the playoffs with that. Last year, they got broken down by Atlanta partially because, I mean, they didn't have Maxi last year or Thibel. Or, and they had Thibel, but these guys weren't prevalent yet. And Tobias Harris couldn't get himself going. So I think that that's... The X factor, as much as ESPN wants to make Maxi the X factor and go a big deal about him, I still think it's Tobias Harris who has to guard one of the best players on the floor every night. Him being a bigger forward, he's going to have to guard Pascal Siakam. He's going to have to play Gary Trent Jr. and Siakam at the same time. And in future series, he's going to have to play their their best player. Um, and we'll see we'll see what he can do. Toronto's X factor is Fred VanVleet. As Fred VanVleet goes. So do the Raptors. If Van Vliet can figure out a way to get scoring, I think they have a chance to pick up some games. But it's going to be tough because they're already double-teaming him like crazy, getting the ball out of his hands. Philly's going to take this series of five. And we jump over to the stacked West. (sighs) Phoenix is going to win in four. Nobody really needs to know my break on that. There's not much to break down except for cam johnson's their x factor going forward when chris paul and devin booker get devin double teamed in the future when one of them is off the floor especially when chris paul gets his rest because he's old and needs it devin booker is going to get double teamed who's he's going to pass to it's going to be cameron johnson and cameron johnson when this game slows down when it comes to half court ball phoenix loves to play fast but when it slows down and it's in the crunch time that third options you need that role player somebody every year shows up and hits those shots besides the big guys who already are hitting shots and i think that needs to be ken johnson the memphis minnesota matchup there's nothing happier than looking on a saturday while playing golf at the playoff scores and pulling up a minnesota memphis game and seeing that minnesota is up 18 on memphis in memphis memphis is probably the most overhyped basketball team all year Yes, they were good. Yes, they played better without John Morant on the floor. They have one year of playoff experience, and they lost in five to Utah, who everybody thinks is bad. They're not bad. Utah's not bad. They're one of the best teams. It's it's incredible how hyped they were this year. They suck at shooting. Memphis is 23rd in the league at shooting percentage. They don't shoot the ball well. Who shoots the ball well? The Minnesota Timberwolves. It's it's stupid to think that Memphis is going to win off of just hustle plays the entire time. The playoffs are all about hustle, and the playoffs are all about putting together big runs and big plays, which Memphis can do. And John Morant can do. But John Morant had 32 points, and they still lost. That's bad. They lost by... 23 or no 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 no. they lost by 13 excuse me they lost by 13 still that's embarrassing for a number two seed at home who was so hyped to literally just drop a turd 
get pooped on by Minnesota. And Minnesota wasn't really supposed to be here, even though they're really good. And Minnesota's X factor is D'Angelo Russell. I know Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns are the big talk, but D'Angelo Russell is their big factor. He's their third option. He's an elite scorer. He plays so calmly and he slows down the game to the point where everybody knows what they need to do. And he directs with, he's, he's almost like a Chris Paul director and he just knows how to set up guys. D'Angelo Russell is one of my favorite players to watch just because of that. He's an amazing facilitator and they just absolutely broke down Memphis's defense. Memphis usually has hustle play defense and fast break points. That didn't happen. They usually get offensive rebounds. That didn't happen. Minnesota dominated in every single way, and that's why I've got Minnesota taking it in six games. Memphis has to get going through Jaron Jackson Jr. If Jaron Jackson Jr. can score 10 points and get two blocks on Carl Anthony Towns and keep up with Carl Anthony Towns and rebounds, I mean, Cat had 13 rebounds, but if Jaron Jackson Jr. can do something of that nature while guarding one of the hardest centers in the world to guard Cat, they have a chance. I really think that he's their key, even though I hate that guy. He's literally so cocky, but I think that they have a chance if Jaron Jackson Jr. gets going. Golden State and Denver. Golden State just creamed Denver. They're going to win in five. Denver is just depleted. Jokic has done everything for them, and he cannot win four games by himself. He has to get some help. Denver's X-Factor is Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon shot two for 12 or something like that. Absolutely pitiful. He needs to step up his game if they want any chance of keeping up with the offense that the Golden State Warriors have. When their third best player, Jordan Poole, actually their fourth best because Draymond Green's their third best. When their fourth best player, Jordan Poole, goes off for 30 points, they're not going to lose. You, they have The Golden State Warriors can make a run, and I have them making a run in my realistic bracket, but let's break down my bias bracket. I've got Golden State beating Denver in five. That puts Dallas and Utah next. Utah stole this game big time. It's pretty obvious that Luka was out and made a big difference that Luka was out, but Dallas still put together a decent run towards the end. Not that the Utah Jazz blew it, but that the Dallas Mavericks put together a big run. And they, the, the Utah Jazz just were in foul trouble in a very awkward situation where they couldn't play hard defense because all Dallas had to do was just drive at them, get their free throws. They barely survived at the free throw line. The game was closer than it should have been, of course, but the X factor. X factor, excuse me, for Dallas right now is definitely Dorian Finney-Smith Jr. If he can get going and Luka comes back on the road, that's scary for the Utah Jazz trying to guard those options because they're all good shooters and Luka will definitely know how to pass out of a double team. He makes the right decisions every time. But while Luka's out, the Jazz need to take advantage of feeding it to and funneling these two guys, Dorian Finney-Smith and, um, and Bertans as well to get them to take bad shots. Spencer Dinwiddie's going to play better in game two. He had a really bad game one. He's going to play better in game two. And the Jazz better be ready for it. But the Jazz shot terribly and still pulled this off with somewhat of relative ease. Donovan Mitchell had two points at halftime. Guys, that's never happened before. Donovan Mitchell scores the most out of basically anybody in the playoffs besides Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And... KD. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell is an elite scorer. He will he will will 
the Utah Jazz to beat this to beat this Dallas team. They're going to win in um, in five or six games, in my opinion. Utah's going to win. They're going to play Phoenix. So we go down to the one-five matchup: Phoenix and Utah. I've got Utah winning it in seven. I really think that the only two teams to beat Phoenix in the West are Utah and Golden State. They have the offensive firepower. They have the teamwork. They have the defense to put it together. You never know what you're going to get out of Utah, and you seem to know what you're going to get out of Phoenix, and Phoenix is going to play well, especially in the clutch. We can't seem to guard Chris Paul in the clutch, but if if Utah can shoot even half as good as we shot in game one against Dallas, we could push Phoenix. And I think that we'll win in seven games. I really do. That's my hope at least. <laughs> uh, so I think Utah's going to pull out in seven games. I, I really think that if any year is their year, it's got to be this one. They've got to stick with it. They can, they can do it. If they do, their confidence will be through the roof. <sighs> so Minnesota golden state, that's your next matchup. And it's, pretty obvious that golden state would be the team to beat and i think that they will they'll win in five minnesota can't match up defensively with the firepower that the warriors have their bench won't be as good as golden state's bench line their bridge lineup so i think that's the the x factor in that series as far as miami and philly goes miami's going to play philly they're going to win in they're going to beat Atlanta in five, go play Philly. It's Philly's year. They're going to win in seven games. They're going to beat Miami. And Miami, who knows what's going to happen unless Kyle Lowry, their X factor, can go off and match up against against Tyrese Maxey, which he can. Then I think Philly's got it in seven. Milwaukee's going to beat Boston. That's my, that's my pick. Or I mean, Brooklyn, excuse me. I think Milwaukee's going to beat Brooklyn again. And... Um, it's going to go to seven games. It's going to be really tight, but it's the, the one argument you can make for Brooklyn is that who's going to guard KD Boston's big. They can guard KD. Giannis is going to have to guard KD. Can Giannis guard KD and put up the same offensive numbers that he usually does? I don't know. They had PJ Tucker last year to guard KD and Giannis got his freedom to go play offense. That's not going to happen this year when they play Brooklyn. And KD is the X factor in that series. And if KD goes off, Brooklyn wins it, which KD always goes off. But my, I'm still going to pick Milwaukee because Giannis is a winner. He just proves that he can win. And Drew Holiday and is fantastic. And he could, he could guard Kyrie. So we'll see how that goes. And I've got Milwaukee in the finals after beating Philly in seven games. There's going to be a lot of game sevens, in my opinion, this year. I hope that's true because it means more basketball to watch, but there's going to be a lot of game sevens. Milwaukee is shooting better than any team right now in the playoffs, the percentage, percentage-wise, percentage not scoring-wise, but percentage-wise. Miami had the best scoring game, but they're definitely... They're the contending returning champs they they have the title it's theirs to take and it's theirs to lose excuse me it's theirs to lose not theirs to take it's anybody else's to take but it's theirs to lose um if i go forward here so i'm at a a stalemate utah golden state conference finals (sighs) 
the homer in me wants to pick Utah so badly. If they beat Phoenix, yeah, they're going to beat Golden State. If they can beat Phoenix, the confidence will go through the ceiling. It will be our year. But... No, I'm sticking with it. Utah's going to win. <laughs> Debate me all you want. I know. I know the Utah Jazz are probably not going to go that far. But I've got to believe because they're my team, just like someone else is probably going to believe that Brooklyn's going to beat Boston or that Memphis is somehow going to go through and win the finals because everybody thinks they're a final contender. <laughs> yeah, right. Get that crap out of here. Memphis can't even survive. Oh. Wow. Okay. That means if I pick Utah for the conference finals, we have Milwaukee and Utah. On my paper, folks, I have Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals, but I just completely changed that and went homer and picked Utah. So shoot me down if you want, but this is totally about fans picking their teams. So if Utah plays Milwaukee, <laughs> after I pick Utah all the way through, I still pick Milwaukee to beat Utah because they have finals experience and the Jazz don't. But it will be in seven games and it will come down to an overtime game, in my opinion. <sighs> okay, well, there was a lot of bias in there. If we're not going to be biased, my championship would be between Golden State and Brooklyn. <sighs> Golden State plays Brooklyn. Golden State has the finals experience. Brooklyn has the finals experience. And that would just be one heck of a matchup. Can KD playing his old team, the one he joined just to get a ring for. And we all know that he did that against Curry, Draymond, and Clay healthy again for the first time in two years. Right now on paper, I have Brooklyn picking seven. Brooklyn picked for in seven games. They have the depth if Lamarcus Aldridge can get out there and go guard and play in a big man role. I think that that could be very dangerous for Golden State. But Golden State has a bridge lineup that's almost unmatched besides Utah. Utah's bridge lineup is going to win or lose them games. Speaking of, they won this game against Dallas, and they're going to have to win a game two. Daniel House, Clarkson. Clarkson has their X factor, but Daniel House, Royce O'Neal, Conley, and Rudy, that bridge lineup is going to have to play well if they want to make that run. But same with the Brooklyn bridge lineup. Their bridge lineup of Seth Curry, Katie or Kyrie on the floor, depending on who they choose, depending on the matchups they want. Bruce Brown, Claxton, and I've got one more in there, right? Patty Mills probably. Uh, so that means that Patty Mills is on the floor and Katie's on the floor. If that's the lineup, Brooklyn's got the depth to match with Golden State and it's all about whoever has the hot hand that night if Golden State can play defense on Seth Curry shut down Bruce Brown and shut down all their role players make KD beat them then um, I think Golden State has it which is interesting because most people would say guard KD, make the other team beat them. I think it's guard the whole team, make KD beat you because your offensive firepower is too good. And though Kevin Durant could try to match three for three for threes, it, it's really hard to see because when Kevin Durant gets those natural double teams anyways and his other team is not shooting well, he's going to miss eventually and those double teams are going to overwhelm in time. 
though KD might drop 46 if his bench and his bridge lineup can't can't keep pace with the bridge lineup for the Warriors then it's Golden State all day but if if Brooklyn can overcome that somehow and get Kyrie and KD out there on the floor at the same time when it matters most which they did yesterday they're going to have runs like they did against Boston and it's going to be such a good finals if that's the finals. Honestly, that would be so fun to watch Golden State and Brooklyn. It would also be incredibly fun to watch Utah somehow surprise everyone and get there just to prove all the haters wrong. That was definitely a little bit messy. I know. It wasn't as organized. I, even though I had it organized on paper, I ended up choosing a lot of different matchups than I thought I would on paper. So if you agree, great. If you disagree, let me know. I know today's been a long episode. I wanted to go deep dive into the playoffs, give my X factors. It's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes down, but ultimately, I just want to thank you guys for listening even on a long episode this week. I'll catch you later. 